Um, my name is Marcus Corpening, and I'm from North Carolina originally. I've lived in Korea for, it'll be six years now, um, but my Korean is still very bad, and I can only order one thing at McDonald's, and it's the chicken burger set, and I love it. Uh, I've been, I'm really excited to be here at Emmaus. I was in Emmaus staff for about a year and a half, two years in but that was quite some time ago as well. That was 2008 to 2009. I was in Emmaus staff, but I'm really excited to be here. Gina's, to- Gina's story was really powerful. Like, Gina's story was really powerful because it, it showed just how she, she had everything. You know, she even told us she had everything. You know, she, she let us know that she had everything. <laughs> And I was like, wow, she had everything. (laughs) But even though she had everything, she did not have everything. Even though she had everything that on the outside people would look at and aspire for, on the inside, she was missing some things. On the inside, she was missing these feelings of of worth and value, uh, of being loved, even as she shared. And I know that that's something that all of us desire to know we want not just everything on the outside but we also on the inside we want to experience that confidence that peace that love and so it was just awesome seeing her up here like she just looked alive and even as she was speaking i was like man i want that like i want whatever she's got i want that and then i felt like god was like you have it (laughs) say right i do have it I want to talk to you tonight about on the topic, get your facts straight. I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, hey, get your facts straight. Get your facts straight. And then I want you to turn to the other person. If you're sitting in the middle, turn to the other person and say, hey, you get your facts straight. Turn to someone else. Tell them to get their facts straight. Tonight, God wants you to get your facts straight. You know, I was an atheist, meaning I did not believe in God. I did not. I was a very analytical guy growing up. And then in in uh, yeah, in college, I was atheist all four years. So and people would come up to me, these guys from Campus Crusade for Christ, this ministry on campus. And they were they were very um filled with life and they wanted to talk to everyone on campus and they were kind of like Rona and they would and they would walk up to me like I remember I would sit outside where um, the food court was and I would sit outside and I would just be there chilling and someone would walk up to me and be like hey do you want to know about Jesus like no get away from me you know and I continued to do that I did that for four years and I did not believe in God at all and specifically because I did not believe that all the, I didn't have all the facts you know I needed the facts I needed to see it needed to be proven to me that God existed are any of you guys like that like if someone has an argument towards you you know if someone it, you, like I was an argumentative person in seventh grade I was on the debate team you know what I'm saying I did mock trial do you know a mock trial like, I argue for a living. Like, I was so good. Even in all my relationships, I would argue, which turned out to be really bad and is why I'm single. But 
I was really good at arguing because I could point out the facts. I could point out where someone had an argument and even in their argument, ooh, ooh, there's a weakness and I'm going to take that weakness and I'm going to turn it and twist it and I'm going to win. I was so good. I loved to take, I had to have the facts and if I couldn't, I could find out where there were limits in your facts and then I could turn it on you. I was good. I was awesome. And there's something about facts. Many of us, we, we need to have the facts. But I want to tell you something, that the facts, it's not the same thing as the truth. See, facts are, they are just one aspect of an event or memory or something. A fact, you know, we know that the earth is round. Fact. You know, we have different types of facts. We know that we breathe oxygen. Fact. Right? I know that this is hard. Fact. Right? I know that I'm black fact we can have many different facts we can have many different facts but there's but truth is the summation the sum of all the facts and what prevents many of us from encountering god knowing god meeting god is because we've got facts but we don't have all the facts we've got some of the facts we've heard some things we've read some things we've read a facebook post and then we shared it We've read on Wikipedia. We've got some of the facts, but we do not have the truth. Jesus says in John 8:32, he says, "You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free." The interesting thing is Jesus did not say, "You will know the facts, and the facts will set you free." Because facts don't set you free, the truth does. And truth is the sum of facts. Hey, I, I'll tell you, I remember when I was in college, and it was my birthday. It was my birthday, and it was my, uh, I think it was my second or third year, my third year in college. And I remember it was my birthday, and a week before that, on my birthday, my roommate came up to me, and he said, Hey, Marcus, uh, my car, I don't have my car right now. Can I borrow your car? And I was like, Well, that's weird. He needs to borrow my car right before my birthday and back then when I was in college like I said I did not believe in Jesus I did not believe in God but I did believe in partying I did believe in going to the clubs I did believe in sleeping around I did all these things and so I was like no it's my birthday how I'm going to get around how am I going to party but I trust you you're my best friend I'm going to give you my keys and so he took my keys and he had my car for a week and I remember I remember he said, I need your car for a week. And so I was like, all right, here's my keys. And my car was old, okay? My car, it was, it's older than you guys. Like, it's, it is old. Like, it's, it was made in, like, 1988. That's old, right? That's an old car. Now, I know some of you are thinking, like, oh, were you driving it in 1995 or 92 or something? I'm not that old, okay? I was driving it in 2000. Six. That's that. I sound really old now. <laughs> well, when I had it, it was still very old. And the, the worst part about my car was that the car radio did not work. Like, I would try to listen to music. I'd try to listen to the radio. I'd have to put, like, aluminum foil in. I'd have to take, like, wires. Like, awful stuff because my radio did not work. And so he asked to borrow my car, and he's like, even though your radio doesn't work, can I borrow your car? He's like, okay, sure. So my birthday comes along, and on my birthday, 
I see all my friends and only one of them tells me happy birthday. I go on Facebook, like that was like only two people said happy birthday to me. I am so like, you know, when someone's like, oh, how, how do you feel? I'm like, I'm fine, I'm fine. You know, everyone acted like it was a normal day. Like I get up, I see my two roommates, they're my best friends. I'm like, hey guys, what's going on? It's a great day, right? Great day. They're like, yep, it's good. And they walk around like, it's my birthday. Come on, somebody tell me happy birthday. No one says anything. I go through the whole day and I am getting upset. And then to top it all off, at the end of the day, my best friend who borrowed my keys comes up to me and he says, hey, our friend Lana, her birthday party's tomorrow. You want to come? Okay. I'll go. He said, all right, great, you know. And then, so the next day comes around, I'm so angry. I'm so angry, I call my mom. And I tell my mom, Mom, you need to know, my friends suck. Like, they all, no one told me happy birthday. No one. Everyone just looked at me and treated me like I was nothing. She's like, it's going to be okay. Whatever, Mom. Why do you always have to be so positive? And then I, I, I hang up, you know. And the next day comes around, I'm so angry. I see my friends. No one says happy birthday. No one. No one. I see like 15, 16 of my friends. No one says happy birthday. I'm like, I am going to hurt someone. Like, you're going to see me on the news. I'm going to hurt somebody. And then we go to the party, and I'm sitting there at the party, and I'm trying my best not to show how angry I am. So they're like, oh, we're having a great time. I'm like, oh, oh. And I'm just sitting there. Mm. 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 Uh-huh. You know that smile when you're really angry, you're trying to hide it. Uh-huh. 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 And then all of a sudden they're like, oh, let's do gifts. Let's bring out the cake. They bring out the cake. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear. Her name is Lana. Lana. And someone's like, oh, wait. It was Marcus's birthday yesterday. Oh, yeah. And Marcus. I'm like, I'm going to kill someone. Someone is going to die tonight. (laughs) Happy birthday. And then they bring out all these gifts. And they're just giving her gifts. One of those gifts I even gave money to. You, you should have saw my face when I gave money that gift. Take the money. Just take it. And the facts in my mind was this. My friends hate me. No one has said happy birthday to me. No one cares about me. You know, I had all these facts. And these are true. These are true. No one said happy birthday. My, I don't even have a car. My friend takes my car. I can't even go anywhere. I have to walk. I'm at the party and no one's recognizing me. I'm here and like I have all these facts in my mind. And then at the end of the party, everyone's like, hey, let's go. Cool, let's go. I'm going to go home. I need to go home. I'm just going to go to sleep. I'm going to cry myself to sleep tonight. <laughs> and we walk outside and we walk around to the back and all of a sudden I hear this. I'm like, what is, what is that? Who is the obnoxious person? playing music so loud and then we get further back it's louder and louder and then I see my friend sitting in my car and I'm like what what is going on right now and then everyone I notice everyone standing around me and I'm like what 
how did y'all form a circle so fast? <laughs> and then they open up the door and they're like, hey, check it out. And then I, I turn around and I look in. And in my car, they had completely installed a brand new car audio system. New speakers, everything. They paid thousands of dollars to completely redo my car. And I sat there and I cried. <laughs> and I was like, Thank you so much. And they were like, You hated us, didn't you? Uh, and I was like, I wanted to kill every one of you. I had already planned it. I, I, I knew exactly how I was going to kill each one of you. And the funny thing was, was that the facts were that my friends were doing this, 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 and this against me. But the truth was that behind the scenes, they were all working for my good. What does that have to do with anything? In life, most of us have walked through life with all these negative facts about ourselves, about God, and about everything happening around us. But we don't realize that behind the scenes, the truth is that God is with us and he's working for you. You need to get your facts straight tonight. I want to tell you about a story. There's a story, and it comes from the Bible. It's, it's Luke chapter 24. And if you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 24. If you don't have a Bible, but you're, you know, and look, look, you know, look for someone who has a Bible near you. And I want you to get in their personal space. Get all in their face. And I want you to look along with Luke 24, 13 to 35. And this is actually the story that the name of this ministry comes from. It's a story about some guys on the road to Emmaus. Luke 24, 13. I'm going to read the whole story out. And then I want you to just look along with me. And if you don't have a Bible, just listen. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he, Jesus, said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, the man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us, they ran to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he, Jesus, said to them, 
O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, meaning the whole Old Testament of the Bible, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village where they were going. He acted as if they were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Hey, stay with us, for it is toward evening and the day is far now spent. It's dark out. So he went in to stay with them. And while he was at a table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, and broke it, and gave it to them. And their eyes were open, like Gina. And they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them had gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened to them on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. Everyone say, get your facts straight. So in this story, we have two men. And it says that these two men are walking from Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the center of all the worship. Jerusalem is the center of the world. It's understood to be the center where, where God dwells with his people and his people dwell with him. And they're walking from Jerusalem to a place called Emmaus. And they're walking. And as they're walking, they are really sad. And they're sad because they were followers of Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They saw Jesus walk on water. They saw Jesus multiply the bread and feed 5,000. They saw Jesus do amazing things. And he, he, they believed that he was God. And then all of a sudden, this man that they believed whom was God, he gets delivered over to the Roman officials, to the Jewish officials. They see him get beaten. They see him get broken down. They see him get nailed to a cross. They see him die. And they see him buried. Imagine the one person that you hope in, the one thing that you hope in the most, the thing that you have dedicated your entire life to, the thing that you have thought that you were made for, that you were made to live for, you see it get completely shattered in front of you. That's a tough fact to overlook, right? I mean, these guys, they, they see it all take place. They're watching from afar. They didn't get too close because they were a little scared. But they watched far away and they saw everything happen. And they saw all these facts take place. They saw him, oh snap, Jesus has just went it. Now he's in prison. Oh, now they're beating him. Now they're spitting on him. Now they're punching him. Now they're nailing his hands to wood. Now they're lifting him up. Now they're stripping him of his clothes. Now he's, he's, he's dead. He's dead. And they're carrying all this disappointment. They're carrying all this despair. They're carrying all these feelings as if everything that they ever had was meaningless. You ever felt like that? Had everything, but really had nothing. In an instant. That was them. They, they had all these... All of a sudden, they, everything that they believed was gone. And all they had was a lot of facts. A lot of facts. And you can tell, like, they just walk. And they're, so they're walking. And they're walking. And all of a sudden, this homie shows up. This guy shows up. And he said, hey, what's up? What's going on? 
And they're like, we didn't see you here. And it says that they were talking about these things that had happened. It's like when the bad stuff happens in your life and it's the first person you run to or maybe you run to your journal or you, some people run to their news feed. You know those people that post all the negative things that happen in their life on the news feed? And then, well, maybe you don't know because you blocked them. I don't know. but I mean, so many of us, we, we just have a tendency to talk about negative things. We have a tendency to, to focus on the negative things in our life. Gina had everything going for her. She told us, she said, hey, I, was, I was that person. Like, if you wanted to be like anyone, be like me. <laughs> but still, on the inside, all she could focus on was what she did not have. All she could focus on was the negative, negative fact number one, negative fact number two, negative fact number three. She had all these facts lined up as to who she thought she was. That's these guys. They're walking through and in fact they're having a conversation about all the negative facts. And then all of a sudden Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up and Jesus is there but they are so focused on the negative facts that they can't see Jesus. The first thing I want you to know tonight about getting your facts straight is sometimes we can be so focused on the negative that we completely miss the fact that God is present. Jesus comes up to them and he's standing behind them. He's walking with them. And it says in verse 16, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. You know, they couldn't see Jesus because they could only see the negative things that are happening. How intimate are you? How close are you with the negative events of your life? When someone asks you, how are you doing? Is the first thing that comes out of your mouth negative? You know, are you really good about talking about the bad things that might happen? Does your mind continually, continually worry about how things might go wrong, how things might fail, how people are going to turn against you? You walk into a room like this one in this place and you're thinking all these people are weird and this is going to be a bad night. And all you're thinking about is all these negative things. And it prevents us from seeing Jesus. You know, in fact... It prevents us from living fully alive. You know, when Gina got up here, she looked really happy. I was like, wow, she's happy. I want some of that. God was like, you have that. <laughs> you know, I, I, saw this, I saw this study on happiness. And the, one, the number one thing about happiness, the number one key to happiness is gratitude. When you can recognize the positive things that are happening in your life, it makes you happier. I read this study on words and that in the English language there are 558 words for emotions, right? So angry, sad, happy, excited, exuberant. Like there's, uh, you know, 558 words for, that convey emotion. How, how many of them do you think are positive? You can say. I'm listening. Guess. A hundred. That's Rona's life. <laughs> Out of 558 words, 63% of them were negative. That means that even when we want to convey our emotions, a lot of times we don't have the language to say anything positive. You ever think about that? And for all of us, that prevents us from seeing Jesus. 
that prevents us from recognizing that God is in our lives. I remember when I was a child that my stepfather, he'd always tell me that you're nothing, you're ugly, you're broken, no one loves you, no one cares about you. And I even had teachers that would tell me the opposite. They'd say, Marcus, you're so smart. Marcus, you're going to do amazing things. But I could never, it was almost like their words were like, Marcus, you're awesome. Marcus, you're aw-. don't even say it. You ever had someone give you a compliment? It's so hard to receive, right? But whenever those negative words would come, it was almost like, thank you. Thank you. I, had, I was so good about receiving the negative words because we're so focused on the negative. We know the negative facts. I know people that can give me tons of reasons why God doesn't exist. And they just spew them out. But those facts don't have anything with the truth. They can't hold. You know, if you want to experience God, if you want to encounter God, you've got to start by first recognizing that you need to start thinking not so much about your negative facts, but shifting your mind to think about the good things that God's doing. But let's keep going. They're walking and they cannot see Jesus. And he's, and then all of a sudden, he says, well, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they, so Jesus is walking with them and he says, hey, what are you guys talking about? And so they stop and they look sad. And then they, they turn to him and they say, hey, are you the only person? Are you the only person in Jerusalem who does not know what's going on? You know, what happened was they stopped in their tracks looking sad. Sometimes we know our negative facts so much that it keeps us from moving forward. And not only do we think that God isn't with us, we think that God doesn't know what's going on. Jesus was there walking with them, and all of a sudden he says, Hey, what's going on? He's Jesus, right? He was the guy that was crucified. So I think he knows what's going on. But he's asking them, like, hey, what do you think happened? And they say, wait, do you not know? I mean, you're, you're kind of his height. You kind of have his beard. But you don't know? And then they're like, you don't even know what's going on. You don't know all the negative things that are happening. You don't understand. So many of us, we think that God doesn't know what's going on in our lives. We walk around and we're like, oh, everything's going down. Woe is me. Woe is me. Woe is me. And Jesus, you don't even care. You don't even know what's going on. You can't see what's going on. I remember when I remember when I became an atheist. You know, the real reason I became an atheist was because I thought that when I because I grew up in an abusive household for 15 years. So three times out of the week, I was abused. My mother was abused. And I went through that hell i went through that for 15 years and at the end of it i moved we switched cities and we moved to the most christian city in our entire state like everyone was christian like everyone was christian as soon as i get to the high school i walk there and everyone's standing around the school holding hands and praying i was like this is a cult what is this this is not a school you know and I'm like looking at the high, the high school sign, like looking for like Christian high school and there's nothing. And I realize like everyone's Christian. And then I walk up and, and I walk in and someone walks up to me and, and they're like, hey, don't you know that God loves you? 
don't you know that he loves you? You you have a purpose and plan for your life. Don't you know that he loves you? And I was like, if you say that to me one more time. I don't know Kung Fu, but I'm going to learn it real quick. And I remember in that moment, so many people would tell me all these things about God. But I decided that God didn't exist because I was like, how can a loving God, how can a loving God allow me to go through the things that I went through? You know what? God didn't know. God wasn't there when I was being abused. He didn't know that I was going through those times. He didn't see me alone in my room in the pit of despair. He didn't see my inward thoughts and my inward struggles. God doesn't know. And so I was like, there can't be a God. He doesn't exist. And after that, I I became more like a persecutor of Christians. Because I was like, it's not real. It's not possible. He doesn't know. If he knew, he would have done something. We have all these negative facts that we're so intimate with. And we start to convince ourselves that, well, I know it, but God doesn't. I mean, these guys are walking here and they're, they're turning to Jesus himself and saying, are you the only person that doesn't know? Sometimes we can be so in a pit that we think that the only person that we can tell everyone, but think the only person that doesn't know is God. That he's just sitting up there like this watchmaker, right? Just letting everything happen on its own. And they're like, Jesus, you don't even know what's going on. Sometimes the negative things in our lives can seem overwhelming. So much that it seems like Jesus himself isn't there. I mean, these guys are walking and these, these facts that they're experiencing seem so overwhelming that they stop. They start to think that even God himself isn't there. And he definitely doesn't know. And then they keep walking. Now, I love Jesus because in all those moments, Jesus could have just interjected, right? He could have been like, bam, here I am. But he doesn't. He just walks with them. He stays with them. He doesn't leave them, but he just walks with them and he listens to them. And then he asks and he says, they're like, don't you know? And then he says, well, what things? I want to know what you're experiencing right now. I want to know what you think. What things? And they say to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death, facts, and crucified him, another fact. And we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yeah, besides all this, it's now the third day since these things have happened. It's another fact. Moreover, some of the women of our company amazed us. They went at the tomb early in the morning, and they did not find his body. And they just keep telling fact after fact, negative fact after fact. They have like a laundry list of reasons why Jesus is not there anymore. And the third thing is that we can be so intimate. We can know the wrong facts so much that it causes everything that we say to be about doubt more than faith. 
everything that they were saying in that moment was doubt. Everything that they said, I don't know, I don't believe, this happened, and this happened, and this happened. And it's like, well, it's true. It may be a fact, but it's not the full story. I wish you could, I wish you were a fly on the wall at that birthday party when I was sitting there. I was going through all the facts as to why I was going to defriend every person at that table. I was going through all the laundry list of reasons why. And and even when people want, I was just thinking it. And I was thinking it. And if someone would have asked me how I was doing, I would have said it. And what is happening in that moment is that they're confessing everything, all the doubt that they're experiencing. And your thoughts, your beliefs determine your thoughts. And your thoughts, they determine your words. And your words, they determine your life in action. What, what kind of words do you speak? They, what, kind of words, what kind of words do you speak about your life? About who you are? When you go home and you look in the mirror, when you stop and you think, what, what are the facts that are replaying over and over and over and over? Because the funny thing is, is that they had all the facts. They had all the facts, but they did not have the one most important fact. And that was that Jesus was alive. They had, they had walked through and they had, they had had this laundry list of everything that they had seen. But the one thing that they had not seen was that Jesus was alive. And see, you may have a laundry list of facts, a laundry list of negative things that you believe about yourself, but the one thing you may not have is the fact that Jesus is overcoming. See, for me, I had a ton of reasons why God did not exist. I had a ton of reasons why God did not love me, why I was of no value, why I was of no worth. I had tons and tons and tons and tons, but I did not have the most important fact, and that was the fact that Jesus had paid for me by his own blood. And that one fact, even when it was added up with all the other facts, it turned the equation completely different. It's like in multiplication, you know. You can, you can multiply all these numbers, but if you just put a zero in there, it just negates everything. That was Jesus on the cross. You got, oh, God, I got a nine here. I got an eight here. I got a seven here. I don't even know what all that comes up to. You can probably do it. But Jesus is like, but I got a zero here. I wiped the slate clean. That's how powerful this moment was. And so all of a sudden, Jesus is walking with them. And so he, he's like, you, you guys don't get it. You guys have the facts, but you don't know the truth. So I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you how to get your facts straight. I'm going to show you three ways to get your facts straight, all right? Let's look through the story. He walks with them. They give him the laundry list of facts. And then in verse 25, he turns to them and he says, Oh, foolish ones, how slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? I'm sure at this moment they were like, wait, what? Who is this guy? This guy's a little weird. But then, verse 27, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. The first thing you've got to do if you want to get your facts straight is you've got to start actually reading this book right here. 
you know, the Bible is the most, it is the most astounding book in all of human history. The Word of God is the most astounding thing that has ever been created. It is crazy. Even secular historians are amazed by this book. You know, that the Bible was written over 1,600 years by people who had zero ability to coordinate their stories, to coordinate their prophecies, to coordinate the words. They had zero ability to do that over 1,600 years. You know, there were secular, several secular historians who wrote about the events in the New Testament at the same time that the Bible was being written. And so it wasn't just that there was the Bible. There also historians can look at secular historians and they say, oh, these things actually match up. You know, there's there's tons and tons of secular historians that are used to back up the historical accuracy of the Bible. So many people say, I can't read the Bible. I can't I can't I can't believe this. This is just a book written by dead fishermen. No, it's not. It's written over 1600 years. Twelve fishermen cannot write a book for that long. No, it's actually the inspired Word of God. See, if you want light to shine onto your life, if you want to start becoming alive in every step you take, you've got to start by learning the Word of God. Psalm 119 says, The Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Jesus said that His Word is spirit and life. When you start reading the Bible, what starts to happen is that spirit and life begins to rise up inside of you. Your heart starts to come alive. And that's what these guys said. As soon as Jesus started opening up the scripture, their hearts started to burn. For many of you, you're coming in and you feel like your heart is dead. And what you need is to sit with someone and have them open up the word of God to you. Hebrews 4.12 says the word of God is living and active. The Bible is the only book in all of human history that is alive today. Some of you are thinking, what? No, it doesn't have a pulse. No, it's living. It means it applies to everything that you can ever go through. Twilight is not living. Harry Potter is not living and active. But the Bible is. And it says that it is sharper than any double-edged sword, meaning that it will, it will actually begin to show you your own thoughts and your own heart motives and the things inside of you that you don't want anyone to see. The Bible can actually examine you. See, truth has no fear of being examined, but we do. You know, that's why we doubt the Bible. That's why we don't read the Bible, because we're afraid of what it might say about us, what it might lead us in. You know, the funny thing is, is after I became a Christian, I would go on the streets and I would talk to people who were atheists. Because I love it, because I'm like, I understand, I'm, I'm where you, I, where you're where I used to be. And so I will talk to atheists on the street and we'll, we'll have different arguments and we'll get into it and they'll have their facts and I'll have the truth. And then, and then at the end, I'll always be like, hey, can I pray for you? Hey, can I pray for you? And every time they're like, nah, 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 man, I'm good. I'm good. I'm like, wait, you don't believe in it anyways. It's just going to be saying words over your head. It's, it's not. And they're like, no, no, I'm good. I don't need that. I don't need your prayer. I'm like, well, it's just me praying for you it's not going to if god doesn't exist what's the harm and the truth of the matter is is that they're afraid because there's a part inside of them that believes that hey maybe god is real because god is real the bible says that he's written eternity upon our hearts 
meaning that there's something inside of you that resonates with what I'm saying even if your mind doesn't catch up see the Bible when you read it it starts to become alive the first thing that Jesus did with them is he began to teach them the word the second thing verse 28 they drew near to the village and Jesus acted as if he was going to go somewhere else so they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. The second thing that happened is they spent time with Jesus. You know how you spend time with Jesus? Well, it's not just prayer, but it's actually spending time in a place like this. This is actually where you learn how to connect with God. This is where you learn how to encounter God. The Bible says that where two or more are gathered in his name, there he is. Meaning that when you come to a place like Emmaus, you're putting yourself in a position to meet God. And then the third thing, verse 30 says, while he was at a table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. All of a sudden, they had been walking with him. They had their facts. He taught them the word. They spent time with him. But when he broke the bread, their eyes all of a sudden opened. And all of a sudden, they could see Jesus. And the and breaking of the bread in the Bible, that always represents something called fellowship. And here at Emmaus that looks like familiars to be honest when I was a when I was a college student I came and I was like I said I was I had all my negative facts I had became a Christian I was a Christian for about six months when I came to Korea as an exchange student in 2007 but Jesus still was not real like I prayed the prayer but I did not have a relationship I had not had an encounter with him and all of a sudden I met this guy named Christian now, I met him because I thought he was hitting on my girlfriend at the time. Because he would meet up with her one-on-one -on -one to talk about the Bible. And I was like, this is not cool. You know, no guy's going to meet up with my girlfriend one-on-one -on -one to talk about the Bible. But I met him, and he was ghetto. And I was like, I like him. And so I asked him, I was like, hey, can I just meet up with you? I didn't know anything about the Bible. I didn't know anything about Jesus. I didn't know anything about God. But I noticed that there was something about him that I needed. I noticed that he was alive. I noticed that something about his heart was burning. I noticed that he wasn't walking around constantly thinking of his negative facts in his life and constantly just playing that tape over and over. I noticed that he was walking in a truth that had set him free. And so I said, hey, I just need to, I, can I be around you? Can I just hang out with you? Can I go and do anything? And he was like, kind of, he was kind of like, you, you look a little desperate. <laughs> but I saw that there was something inside of him that I needed. And, I, and he thought about it for a bit. And he was like, you know what? I'll meet with you. And so we met and we meet every week one on one. And what he would do was he would teach me the Bible. He would, he would interpret it. He would show me the truth of it. And then we would spend time together. And he would just, he would just break open the word. Like we would share. And the things that were on his heart, he would share with me. And the things that were on my heart, I would share with him. The struggles, 
the triumphs, the good. And, at, and after a while, what began to happen was I started to see Jesus. Through Him, in Him, I started to see Jesus. I began to recognize that Jesus was with me. Not when, not always when I'm with Christian, but because I was, because of the way He lived His life and the time I spent with Him, I recognized that even Jesus was there with us. And then even when I would leave, Jesus was still with me. And I realized that I was walking in the truth, walking in that power, and then all of a sudden I started to become alive. Then all of a sudden people started coming up to me and saying, Hey, there's something about you. It's a little different. It's a little weird. Can I hang out with you? Can I be around you? And I'm like, whoa. You seem a little desperate. Because my whole life I had a series of negative facts that played as a tape in my mind until I encountered the truth. And when I encountered the truth through the word, through spending time with the people who walk in that truth and really sharing life with them, I began to recognize that Jesus was with me the whole time. And it it changed the way that I see my entire life. And those two guys, after they realized Jesus was with them, it changed them. They realized their hearts were burning and they ran back and they told everybody. And it changed the entire city. And then the 12, that the, the other 10 they talked to, changed the entire world. That's the kind of life God wants you to live. He wants you to get your facts straight. He wants you to walk in the truth. Let's pray together. Let's bow our heads.